Hey everybody, welcome to the Advance Your Belly Dance podcast, a weekly podcast all about the business of belly dance. Jonna and welcome to this month's special Q&A episode. I get so many great questions from you guys from the Facebook group. I thought why not combine some of them and feature them as episodes for December. For those that don't know, when you first join the Facebook group, there's a prompt that asks you to ask me a belly dance business related question and that is so that a I can see what you want to work on and be that I know you're a real person interested in belly dance, uh, not a spam bot or a spammer. And then that way I can make sure the Facebook group is full of real people trying to help one another and they're interested in the topic. So here are three questions for this week that I am answering in this episode. Question number one, what do I do if I'm competing against younger dancers for gigs? Now I assume This means potentially regular gigs in a restaurant, but I'll expand it to gigging in general. I got this question from a dancer in the Facebook group, actually, and I thought I'd put it in here because it's a really good one for those that do gig regularly and for those that are part of the Facebook group that can maybe chime in and share their experience as well. But this is my take on it. One thing I've seen and learned from gigging dancers around the world and from when I used to gig more regularly is that there's a market for everybody. If the establishment that you're trying to dance at seems to value age over talent and experience, then it's probably not going to make you happy in the long run anyway. It sucks being rejected for something you can't change, for example, your age, or being compared to another dancer at such a shallow level. But I do believe there is enough work for everyone and you just have to find your right people and know how to sell yourself the right way. If you were dead set on dancing at your local Middle Eastern restaurant, for example, then you might have to be open-minded as well and expand to audiences and establishments outside the restaurant area, especially if you feel like age is a big deal there. You could start performing at Sweet Sixteens, at bachelorette parties, retirement homes, etc., for audiences that won't even think to consider being bothered by your age and where they're genuinely entertained and maybe even want to learn more. I do believe you can work with your ideal audience or client, but you also have to be willing to be open-minded and perhaps go in another direction, especially if your heart was set on only conquering, for example, the local Middle Eastern restaurant scene because you think that you might be getting more work if it's more regular. But you'd be surprised. You, you could end up doing private gigs every weekend and you could be making a lot more money because you decided to be more open-minded and to target a specific audience and do a niche topic, for example. Sometimes we're so dead set on one path that we create disappointment within ourselves in our career or life and we refuse to acknowledge or even try a different route. So my advice would be to really consider, is this the type of audience that you or establishment that you want to dance at where they do care about your age And that's pretty much, um, if you think that's the only criteria there, to be of a certain age to dance there. So it probably won't make you happy in the long run. So think about who would you want to dance for 
how can you get in touch with those types of people? Where, where do they hang out online in real life? How can you tap into that market? And how can you make yourself uniquely available to them? What is your specific area of expertise? Question number two, what do I charge in my area? Now, this totally depends on where you live. What kind, what do you want to charge for? Are you charging for private classes, uh, private parties, uh, restaurant gigs? It totally depends. But one really great resource I have for those, or I recommend to those that are in the States, for example, is uh, Samira Sharuk. I'm sorry I'm mispronouncing that name. Um, but her website has really great information about this. She has most major cities in the U.S. on her site, and actually even some international cities that, or even international countries that are worth looking at. And the average rates uh, for different gigs, and it's a great place to start. And if you really have no idea where to start, it's a good resource to look to look at. Also, I'm a big fan of being transparent. So if you're just unsure, just ask. You can ask your local dancers and teachers, and more often than not, they will just tell you without any problem. Um, it's kind of like when you're working in, I will air quote this, the real world, if you're working a day job, for, for example. And I think it's especially important to not be so shy to talk about income um, because you don't know what the person next to you is, is potentially getting more than you, and you have the same amount of experience, if not more. So there's no way to really know unless you ask. And if you're new in the area or new to gigging, you can frame the question in a way that you're genuinely interested in preserving the high standards of dance and the business of it, and you wouldn't want to undercut, hence why you're asking what the average is for such and such gig. If the price seems low to you, there's nothing wrong with raising your rate to find to what you find suitable. So at least you are above the average rate. And that's better than undercutting. <laughs> and if you're worried about the rate being too high, then you're either lacking confidence in your own abilities as a professional dancer, or you're targeting the wrong crowd, or both. You won't get it if you don't ask, and there's no such thing as charging too much if there are people out there willing to pay for it. And question number three, how do I handle toxicity in the community? Now, this is a tough one and a topic I've come across with many dancers in different areas, different cities, and I've even mentioned it before um, on the podcast. Uh, toxic behavior in a community goes beyond just uh, this school is competing against that school for this venue or this dancer is competing for that gig against that venue or whatever. Um, competition and community don't have to be mutually exclusive. And as I mentioned before, I believe there's nothing, um, there's enough work for everyone because not everyone is offering the same thing. And usually those that feel like there's not enough work to go around are those that are trying to do it all and don't have a niche focus themselves. They're just doing what they think will get them hired and they're not really putting much effort and emphasis on uh, who they are and what they can offer. So I definitely believe there's enough to go around. And there can be a healthy competition within community where it raises the standards and even the rates and pushes the next generation of dancers to be even better. Toxic behavior refers to spreading lies, gossip, undercutting, insane behaviors like stalking even, anything that just seems really unhealthy and not at all productive and is, is meant to drag you down and others down around you. The only way to handle it is to remove yourself from it. 
you can be a witness to it. And we've all been backstage when there are snide remarks and gossip was happening. But that doesn't mean that you have to engage in it. Uh, stay positive even when all you want to do is vent. <laughs> um, but you can do that with your non-dance friends <laughs> at home. And also don't be afraid to confront what you feel is wrong. You can approach it however you want. I'm not against for burning any bridges if it's sticking up for what you believe in. Uh, by all means, feel free to say what's on your mind if, if, you, if it is the right thing, if you're standing up for somebody or something that you believe in. But make sure it comes from a good place and if it's even worth it to even say anything at all. And this isn't meant to be kind of passive, but it is meant to, to let you know that you can detach yourself from the situation. You don't always have to take everything to heart and very seriously. Um, but if it is something against someone that you know or something that you know is not true at all or something really kind of dangerous um, and you know it to not be true or you know it to be harmful, then you can say something against it. But also don't feel like the burden is upon you to do that. It, it's entirely up to you, but if it's if you're trying to stay away from any toxic behaviors within a community, the best way is to um, remove yourself and make sure that whatever you do, it comes from a good place. And um, it's not your job to change other people's behaviors or opinions. And it's not your job to be anyone's uh, savior. You're, you're the hero. But it is your job to be responsible for your own actions and words. So be a part of the solution and not the problem. Thanks for tuning into this week's Q&A episode. Come back next week to hear more for the rest of the month. I'll be answering questions from you guys you can also join the facebook group the advanced rebellion dance facebook group for free by visiting advancedrebelliedance.com or even going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash advanced rebellions or you can just